Verizon is out with its 2015 Data Breach Investigations Report. What are some of the highlights and insights? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about the Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report today with Bob Brutus. He's a security data scientist with Verizon and also the manager of Verizon's security research team. Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure to be here. So, Bob, I want to talk to you about perception versus reality. We all said that 2014 was the year of the data breach. Was it really the year of the breach? I've been a consumer of, of the report for a while, and I've been in cybersecurity with seems like forever. And I think every year it's been the year of the data breach. Um, I think maybe because the media is paying more attention to the breaches or they just become more more of a media event. And, and honestly, the report really doesn't have anything that suggests that it was the year of the data breach per se. So we have all the data associated with uh, all the, the things that were in, in the public eye last year, and we have, um, we have many other incidents and we have many other breaches recorded, nothing jumped out that would actually let us say, let's dump this as the year of the data breach. It wasn't something we actually called out in the report. So, Bob, this is one of the highly anticipated reports of the year, and everybody wants to know about the trends, about the threat vectors. What do you see as the real takeaways of this year's report? One of the ones that's going to be more noticeable to, to folks is that it isn't just about the breaches this year. And while it is definitely the data breach report, we definitely talk about data breaches in the report. We, we analyze data breaches through the same lens of the incident pattern clusters that we developed last year. But we actually got data from partners, really rich data from partners, that let us look at what we've done the before and beyond the breach, right? So not just look at the breaches and the incidents that occurred last year, but what, are the, what is the potential impact associated with those breaches and then what actually occurs to cause those breaches to be able to happen. And when we take a look at that, you know, that the whole spectrum that I just talked about, we first start seeing just about 79,000 total security incidents. And, you know, we basically used a, a bunch of our, our, our analytics to kind of whittle that down to 61,000 with really good information to go and actually do some really good analysis on to kind of break it down into there. Um, we looked at indicators of compromise. We actually partnered with three organizations that you'll see in the report. And you know, we discovered by actually the, the research that they've done and working with them on research that the indicators that folks are using for threat intelligence, you know, the way the attackers use this infrastructure to you know, basically to kind of do, do whatever they're going to do against an organization, you know, they occur fast and they're really short-lived. And we kind of go into detail in the report um, with that section about how to apply those indicators, what approaches you might want to look at for those indicators, and, and how, you know, how to best kind of take advantage of those. I think one of the other ones that surprised me was that almost a quarter of recipients who basically get phishing messages open the phishing messages. Um, I'm a big security awareness guy. Um, I, 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 it's one of my passions when I talk about security and do security. And seeing that number at almost a quarter of the folks in organizations of all shapes and sizes being the ones that open that uh, really kind of shows that the effectiveness of phishing, and that's going to show up a little bit later in, 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 one of, in one of the other surprising things. We looked at vulnerabilities um, thanks to a great partnership with Risk.io. And one shocking number was that, you know, it, it isn't just the really flashbang, heartbleed type events that really kind of the, the attackers are going after because obviously they go after them because, you know, there's icons and all sorts of stuff that they get associated with under a big splash. But the reality is it's like 99.9%, like almost 100% of the vulnerabilities that are exploited are a year old. So, like, it's not the newest ones that are actually attacking the organization. They're actually some of the oldest ones. The data set that we looked at from Risk.io 
some, you know, 2007, 1999, like, you know, like I think one of our quotes in the DBI is the attackers are partying like it's 1999 because the quotes for those vulnerabilities are still working. One of the really unprecedented things about the report, and there are, there are many ones this year, and I, I guess, I guess that gets there every year, but uh, we had a great partnership with Verizon Wireless. And Verizon Wireless, uh, we basically looked at all the malware events that, that they, that they've captured across all of their mobile networks, right? So we have tens of millions of, of folks, you know, using mobile devices on our network. And we were able to use that data and look at and analyze that data and really come up with that it's really less than 1% of the devices on the network really have any type of malware event associated with them. There may be vulnerabilities with those devices, but the actual things that happen with you know, malware infecting it and doing something is less than 1%. And if you filter out some of the noise where it's basically people taking advantage of the uniqueness of the handset to deliver ads or basically participate in some kind of adware campaign or something like that, when you filter all that out and you look at the truly malicious malware on, on those devices, it's really about 100, 100 mobile devices a week are really impacted by that. And when, when it does happen, it's by vast majority, really, with Android as well. I mean, almost 100% with Android. So um, I think one of the other ones that was a really interesting view for us was that we got to look at the malware captures across 10,000 organizations for, for a year. And the, the reality there was, you know, we're seeing that the attackers are able to use hacking techniques to really make it difficult for, for organizations to rely solely on the signature-based ma- malware detection, right? And so 70%, 90% of malware samples are unique to a particular organization, and not because they're special or they were targeted by a sophisticated attack, but just because the attackers just have a very robust infrastructure to do that unique packing to bypass the, you know, the signature antivirus that they might be using. I think one other one that was interesting to us, too, is we really delved deep into the relationship between industries. So we actually took a really good look at the industry profiles, a more deeper look than we ever have before. And in there, we actually discovered that, you know, if you're grouping yourself around a particular vertical ISAC, let's say like the FS ISAC, that may not be the best approach to get the best information sharing that that you might need because your threat profile might match some other organization. And we kind of go into that and give a really good picture of that, the way that clusters and how those things work work together. Um, And that really should be food for thought for organizations as they're trying to figure out who they should be partnering with and sharing data with. But I think maybe one of the largest takeaways from the report is impact. Uh, We worked with Net Diligence, who they actually partner with many cyber insurers in the market. And we worked with them to analyze over 200 actual cybersecurity incidents where there was, you know, basically cyber insurance payouts associated with them. So we have real actual data, not estimated data, not, you know, not data people think is occurring, but actual data that was paid out. And we've used that to work with them to develop a model that goes beyond, let's say, an average cost per record model that most people might be familiar with and come up with a model that's really going to help organizations understand what the potential cost of a breach is to their, to their organization and use that to make the real risk-based decisions like they do with other components of their business, like the fluctuating dollar or the fluctuating euro or something like that. So and then when we actually you know, kind of go beyond that and, and we look at the overall um, the, the patterns component, one thing that really surprised me especially is that looking at that one popular thing, which kind of showed itself through some of this before on the beyond the breach section I talked about, is that the attackers are going after a model of attack, which is fishing to get credentials, using those credentials either directly against an, an organization or a, with using a third party. And then what was really interesting, though, is they were, there's a use of the secondary, the secondary system. So getting credentials, so let's say gain access to a server on, on the Internet, 
to then use that to launch denial of service attacks or use that to go then do their final that, you know, destination, whether they're going to go attack a citrus server or, or go attack something else like that. You know, basically phishing to get legitimate credentials and then either using those legit credentials directly or then using them to gain access to another system to then, you know, use that secondary system to perform the ultimate attack. It was really interesting for us to kind of see how that whole thing portrayed there. Well, Bob, let's talk about the attackers. What do you find most noteworthy about this year's trends involving the threat actors as well as the threats? We actually saw SQL injection, let's say, as a web attack move from, you know, its normal, you know, top one or top two spots down to three and being supplanted by attackers actually using legitimate credentials to gain access to the environments and the data that they want to have access to to cause these the incidents or breaches that we've actually seen. I, I think that one trend above all really significantly stood out when we were going through this, that you know, they're not having to work as hard to take advantage of vulnerabilities maybe as they were before or to maybe you know, find other ways of getting in when they're able to actually just either purchase or, or actually steal themselves these credentials that are out there and use that to gain access to the systems. And, you know, su- surprisingly with that, or maybe not so surprisingly with that, when we took a really deep dive um, and we took a basically a, a Six Sigma five, 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 five wise approach to analyzing some of the incidents where we actually had really detailed information on, almost a quarter of them could have been at least prevented or would have forced the attackers to change the way they were going after what they were going after if they had just done basically implemented two-factor authentication for the for their, for their external environments or had actually kept up to date patching in those environments, like for either a quarter for either one of them. But for the past year or so, the industry has sort of focused on the length of time that it often takes organizations to discover a breach. What, if anything, would you say has changed evolving breach discovery trends? The overall trends show both of the, the two lines, right, so the, the, the actual time to compromise and the time to detect, both still kind of diverging from each other as, as we've seen in previous years. Now, for this particular uh, report and for the data that we actually had from our, our contributors this year, we, we noticed that there was a slight downturn for just a year, for a year between years, so between the 2013 data set and the 2014 data set from the time to compromise and a slight uptick in the ability from the time to discover from the previous year. Um, but if you look at those um, over time and you see the, the ebbs and the flows of that between compromise and discover, that those really don't actually play um, as major of a role. So I hope people don't read too much into that when they're seeing the, the specific information about that. Because the overall trends are the time to compromise is still outpacing uh, our time to discover. Now, on the plus side, we are seeing the time to discover get better as well. So there are more organizations that are able to actually respond faster than they were before, but it's still not keeping up, up, up the pace with, with, with the attacker's ability to compromise the environments. So let's talk about response. Where do you see now the biggest gaps in breach response? Where I would probably answer that question slightly differently is when we looked at, you know, some of, again, some of the five whys associated with what caused the attack to be able to happen versus what might have prevented them, right? We talked about the fact that they didn't have various things in place. And in terms of the, you know, the, the breach response trend, it, it isn't so much as the breach response you know, in terms of people being too slow to, you know, to figure things out. Is they may not have had stuff in place to do this type of detection in the first place. And I think one of the things that's slightly different about this report when it comes to talking about that is you know, we don't really go into rote controls that you could implement you know, from a body of controls that are out there. What we actually talk about is 
you know, we, here are some data areas where you might want to go look, right? Start capturing this information from these devices that you have. And if you don't have certain devices or certain technologies in place, you might want to think about implementing them. But then once you have that, begin taking that data and doing something with that data and giving people examples for what they can do with that data, how they can take that data and compare it to what we've shown in the report, how they can use that data to then talk to other organizations like themselves or similar threat profiles that they have, but like I mentioned before, because you may not, you're being part of an ISAC and your industry may not be you know, sufficient for what you're trying to do. And by doing that, it helps them be more data-driven. And I think maybe Rather than, you know, say what, what, what is, you know, the, the, the problem with breach response or gaps in breach response, it's more of like how do organizations become more data-driven in their approach to, you know, really upping their game when, when it comes to cybersecurity. And we really try to provide good, tangible information for them to be able to do that this year. Bob, as a consumer of research, you know that the industry is obsessed with these reports. They love to see the Verizon report on investigation trends, love to see the annual report about the cost of a breach. Everyone's talking about business aftermath now. What do you see as maybe some of the predominant myths and realities about breaches now that you've really been on the inside of this report? I think in a lot of cases there is the myth that, that I think first, that organizations are, are really not doing enough to prevent the breaches, you know, to begin with. And, well, maybe that's true for, for, for some organizations out there, or may, maybe it's true for even like, many organizations out there. Um, I, I think what we're seeing is that the, the attackers really know how to, you know, basically understand the economics of what they're doing and apply the economic models that they want to to gain what they want more. And I guess where I'm going with that is, as we get better at doing one thing, as, as the defenders implement new technologies, have better processes, look at different things in different places, it's easy to go, oh, well, you weren't doing X. Well, a lot of places might have actually tried to do X and implemented X. And like I said, for this year, one of the things is the attackers have figured out that, well, it looks like maybe some organizations or many organizations are implementing technologies better or putting in some technologies that do things like determine whether there's a SQL injection attack or determine whether there's a web application attacks or see what's happening on the desktop better. Like, you know, there may be better visibility going on in those spaces. So they've turned their efforts into the areas where things might not be detected as well or might be more difficult to actually detect. And I think that that may be one of the, I think the key myth is that no one's doing anything to protect their environment. And, and I've got to tell you, to me, it looks like the data is people may actually be doing some things to protect their environments. More organizations may be actually implementing those protective measures. And the attackers are finding the best way through or around those defenses to be able to get what they want as easy as they want with as little detection as, as they possibly have. So, Bob, where one breach investigations report ends, the next one begins. As we look toward 2016, what would you say are the breach trends that really concern you the most? I, I think one thing that we're going to be watching more closely than others as we, as we get data rolling in, as we start to actually do this analysis for, for the next year's report, is, is the potential for the, the, the ransomware attacks that I guess have, were started to become more prevalent in the media headlines last year, but I think are becoming even more prevalent in the media headlines this year. So we're going to be watching those. I think, a little more closely as, as things come through. Honestly, one thing we're definitely going to be doing, though, is we're going to be looking at this impact model in a lot more detail over the course of the next year to really try to understand what other business impacts of it 
uh, or business facts associated with that are causing some of that uncertainty and are, are, are behind some of the uncertainty. Because in honesty, we, we, we looked at a whole bunch of technical details across all those 200 incidents that we talked about. And there was really not anything technical associated with them that accounted for the remainder of the uncertainty in our model. So we're really working to try to understand what that different uncertainty is to maybe help organizations understand what some of that actual cost is there. And I think finally, one of the things that we're going to be watching closely is the reports that you come in. And this may not manifest itself for, for at least another DBIR, so like, you know, beyond, maybe beyond next year's is when you've got the conversion in the U.S., you know, from the, 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 the current state of affairs in the point of sale system to the, the chip of signature that's going to be implemented. I, I think there is something where we're going to be watching to see where the attackers are going to be moving when it, when it comes to that, because that still is a very large amount of things. Uh, you know, that, that, that's a pretty significant space the attackers are, are still trying to attack. And, and maybe not so finally is, you know, there seems to be a spate of healthcare breaches, you know, good going on right now. And I guess we're going to be looking at the data over the course of the year and what comes in at the end of the year to see, you know, if that matches up with a big trend for the year or was that just something that kind of made it into the flash at the beginning of the year, like a lot of the things happened at the beginning of the year last year with some of the major retail breaches, and will that show out and with the rest of the report or the data that we have, or is that just going to be something that kind of, you know, falls into the overall corpus of breaches that we look at just like that happened with the retail breaches last year. So there's so much information here for people to go through. How would you recommend that organizations not only read but apply the findings from the investigations report? So I think first and foremost is that every year uh, we, we actually have some figure associated with what types of attacks were really prevalent with which type of industry. And I think organizations really should begin with those figures. And when they take a look at those, really trying to see, it's like we've actually changed the figure up a little bit this year to get not only the current year's data, but like a three-year history associated with it, too. And what that does, it helps organizations understand what the most common, you know, really just types of attacks that are occurring against their particular industry. And once they do something like that, that kind of sets the framework for understanding which sections of the report might be the things they want to read first and digest first before moving on to some of the other ones. After I would go do that as an org, I would really actually probably go to the Beyond the Breach section that we have and honestly take a really hard look at how each of the things that we talk about from a threat actor and a threat event frequency and the vulnerability perspective actually marry up against what their own internal infrastructure and internal processes and procedures look like. And if they see a really huge discrepancy with that or if they see themselves in the mirror for, 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 for some of those, that might be an area where they really want to start looking first more than anything else. Well, Bob, this is excellent insight. Now, you're going to be at RSA conference discussing this as well, right? Yes. Actually, we're going to have um, a, a special event at RSA. Uh, we're having a panel for the folks, some of some of the authors of the actual reporting on a panel, talking about key insights from, from the report and um, you know, basically sharing some, some of the data that we've had behind that, some, some stuff that is in the reports to kind of you know, give people who attend a little bit of extra stuff as well. So for anyone there, you know, please, please try to find that and, and attend that because you're going to get some really good information. Very good. Bob, look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for your time and insight today. I appreciate the opportunity. The topic has been the 2015 Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report. I've been speaking with Bob Rudis. He's a security data scientist with Verizon and manager of Verizon's security research team. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.